Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hi, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Dustin Heisey. He's the president and event coordinator of the Patriots of the Civil War Association, and he's also a Civil War reenactor. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I am so happy to have you on my show because I love specifically the Battle of Gettysburg, but you also do so many other Civil War reenactments, and we can get into that in a minute. But dude, Gettysburg, July 1st through the 3rd, 1863, it only happened over three days. I, I can't even wrap my head around how many people were involved, died, and all the other things. What got you into all this? Uh, well, it's interesting. Um in fifth grade, uh, we basically touched on the Civil War, and that really kind of started that, you know, spark a little bit. But what really got it going for me was a Civil War reenactor came into our school as a substitute teacher and filled in for our science class. Of course, we didn't like science, so we, we kind of felt like hey, if we could get him talking about something else, and he was all too happy to do this. And right. <laughs> we, we got him talking about the Civil War, and he they told us about his participation in the movie Gettysburg. So that really piqued my interest. I'm like, wow, this guy's a movie star, you know. He wow. Was in the movie. And I just was just blown away by this. And I thought, wow, I really want to take this guy's brain. So I stayed after class and just started to hit him with some questions and became more and more fascinated by what he was saying. And then he invited us, a couple of us that were really interested, with our parents' permission, of course, to attend a recruitment event. They have some tents set up and some guys in uniform, and we're just like, wow, this is so neat to see this up close and personal. This is what they wore. Wow, these really heavy wool uniforms. It was just fascinating to me. So right. that's really what got me started. So you were in fifth grade, and you were that fascinated. That's kind of fascinating already there, just to know that you were that young and so influenced mm -hmm. by this guy. So when we were talking before we were recording, you said something about you started actually physically doing the reenacting um, at 14 years old, and that's pretty young. So you really were into this. I really was, yeah. And let me clarify, fifth grade is when we touched on the Civil War in school initially. That's what got me started, but it wasn't actually until... I think it was eighth grade or ninth grade when we got the substitute in. So that was kind of, um, so I wasn't very clear on that. But um, yeah, I was 14 and it was a good time for me because, you know, I was in, in great shape. And uh, right. But you're not allowed to take the field with a rifle until you're 16 years old. Right. So it's a good opportunity to start training, go to drill weekends with our unit and start learning how to drill and maneuver and get prepared to actually take the field when you do turn 16 years old. So it was just a really good opportunity to start at that age. Well, what I, I think is really interesting, and I think is so important, especially with the young people, you know, nowadays, we've talked about that before as well, not as into history, if we could just get them away from their phones. Um, so, <laughs> but you had to learn the things they wore, the kinds of guns they would use, the kinds of marching they would do, the kind of medicine, they all the things, I'm sure, so that when people did come to see you guys reenact, they felt like they were walking back in time. And that, to me, is so fun to feel like you are really, truly walking back in time because you stay in character, right? As long as the gates are open to the general public and, you know, or if we're doing a living history type of event, anytime that we're engaging with spectators of the general public, 
uh, we stay in character. And, you know, some guys really go to the next level, you know, and they do so much research. And I have nothing but respect for these guys. They really get into it and, you know, they'll pick a character, um, they'll pick an individual that, that they feel connected to or they feel, you know, just moved to uh, recreate and they'll research that person and so many details. And, and when they portray them, it's just all inspiring, really. Well, but that to me, that just kind of makes it more fun. I mean, let's be honest. And when you love something like that, you're going to be really good at it. You know, I mean, that just, yeah. Now, I know you don't do as much of the reenacting, but you've been doing it for so long. You've probably tossed the baton to a couple other people. But you started this, um, (laughs) you started this organization, the Patriots of the Civil War Association. Now, tell me a little bit about that. Is that something where you do different battle reenactments? What does that entail? So basically, we started the organization to have a group of people come under basically an umbrella organization where we could operate and be able to put on events. Money that we take from that would be able to donate to historic preservation and battlefield preservation and things of that nature. I was reading up on Gettysburg and trying to do my due diligence because I don't know nearly as much as you do. But I did notice they were having some issues with companies that wanted to come in and put a hotel on some of the sacred ground there. And I think at one point in 2011, there was like a casino that was trying to be built there. I mean, my gosh, what do you, I bet you were up in arms on that. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, this is a tricky thing. You know, when you think about something like this, it's, I love Gettysburg. You know, it's not just the battlefield. It's not just the history. I love Gettysburg. You know, Gettysburg has an economy and a lot of people are in need of work. And, you know, I understand the need to bring in new opportunities and things like that to help the economy. But I don't want to see that done at the expense of losing precious, hallowed battlefield grounds. You know, I think there are so many other opportunities that people have that they can bring those type of things into the area. It just doesn't have to be right in Gettysburg or right on battlefield, you know, documented as having been fought on. Right, Um, right. I think there's just a lot of better opportunities. So, you know, I don't like to see any of that. I don't like to see land being lost to development. But again, you know, that's kind of like that. It's like a gray area. You know, the economy and people need work. But where do you draw the line? No, and I totally get it. And I know that the casino, of course, did not pass. But I do think that they did build uh, some kind of Hilton Suites Inn or some kind of little hotel not too far from the battlefield. Is that right? Yeah, they did put some hotels on the outskirts of town, of like out Route 30 area. There's also a Best Western in town on property that was already developed. They just made it an improvement, so... Okay, good. So they didn't really go on to the actual um, battlefield grounds then, right? Not necessarily, no. Okay, good. Okay, well, I'm rubbing my hands together because now i got to get to the good, fun stuff that I want to talk to you about. Um, You've been doing this for a long time, and I want to know, and I know everybody else wants to know, have you seen any ghosts? Ghosts. Ghosts of Gettysburg. This is an interesting topic that, unfortunately, I can't contribute to because I have not experienced anything like that in Gettysburg. And it's not for lack of trying, believe it. Uh, Oh, really? I've been out on the battlefield at night. You know, I've (laughs) listened to cool stories, 
I just have never had that personal experience. You know, that's not to say that it doesn't happen out there. Maybe I'm just blocked off from that. I don't know. But I just haven't had those those kinds of experiences, unfortunately. But what I have seen really interesting was uh, I went out to Sachs Covered Bridge. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. uh, Sachs Covered Bridge was uh, there during the battle. And portions of Longstreet's Corps, actually, when they were leaving Gettysburg, you went over that bridge. Okay. Um, now, there's some folklore. There's some, some stories about three Confederate deserters that were supposedly hung on the rafters of that bridge. Oh, wow. Now, I've never seen any documentation of it. It's not in any Longstreet's battle records or anything right. like that. So it's just become something that's kind of built up upon itself. There's really no historical documentation to back it up. But there are people that go out there, and it's just a hot spot for ghost hunters, and taking you know photographs. What I did see was this gentleman pulled up, and I, I don't know his name. He pulled up in this van, and he had this thing set up so cool because you could pull out drawers or like these little stands, so to speak, and he put laptops up all around this van, and he just started to play his photographs that he had taken out there at Saks Bridge. Oh, wow. And I have to tell you... <laughs> I am a skeptical person, but some of these photographs were mind-blowing. Really? uh, Tell me everything. (laughs) So this one that really captured, I mean, this thing really captured, and it sticks in my memory. I just, I can't forget this photograph. And I'm talking, it might have been 10 years since I've seen this picture, but I can see this clearly now as I did when I looked at it. So it, it was this mist, okay, but it was very clearly in the shape of a skull, okay? Really? But it had ram horns like it would hit there were like ram horns on its head it was the scariest photograph oh my i've ever seen really and you don't think it was photoshopped you don't think he was doing it just to kind of scare you guys or make you think that no. it was okay no see i would see that's exactly where my mind goes you know okay what what, what did he do right you know, to, to this photograph how did he create this but he's got hundreds of photographs like this and you know you can tell Keep in mind, this isn't the most recent. You know, this happened 10 some years ago, and the technology wasn't quite as good as it is now. So Photoshop then might not have done such a good job. And I think you would have noticed it. It's just something that I really do feel like I have a pretty good, pretty good at judging that kind of stuff. And I felt that his photographs were legitimate. And I'm a skeptical person to begin with. So I feel like he was the real deal. And I feel like the photograph, and you have to see the equipment that this guy has. Wow. Wow. Spared no expense. Oh, wow. Well, you know, because we've all seen ghost hunters and they go in and I don't know if you've ever even talked to some of these people that come in and do the investigations. They probably have to have some kind of permit anyway. And they, you know, they come in and you wonder, sometimes they hear things. Sometimes they think they see things in the trees. They see people battling or whatever. And, you know, hey, I'm not saying it's not going on because I do think there are residual situations going on. It's like a recording there's been an impression there and maybe it kind of keeps replaying and replaying for lack of better word. But I'm just so surprised. Are any of the shops or hotels, have you had any experiences there or is it just, you've not really had anything? Yeah, no, I honestly, I, me personally, I haven't. Um, and my brother stayed at the Tilly Pierce Inn and uh, he had some pretty unique experiences. He told me that uh, he thought he saw a little girl uh, really through his bedroom and heard the, the footsteps on the floor and just other weird, strange sounds and feelings and temperature drops and stuff like that in the Tilly Pierce house. 
that's not a direct you know experience it's my brother and i trust him so if you know if he says that he experienced that i have to believe him right but no unfortunately i yeah i have had no experience and i've stayed in just about every hotel in gettysburg multiple times and there are times i've stayed in places where i was there specifically to see if i could you know experience really and here's the thing take this for what it is and this is a strange story but this is why i think i might be blocked off to this kind of stuff so Really quick, I was uh, living in an apartment. I was just turned 18, and we were fooling around. It was just four of us fooling around right. with the Ouija board. Okay. So we're just messing around, laughing, having a good time. You know, it was quiet. It was kind of calm. We weren't being rowdy or anything like that. Right. Um, and we started to get some kind of weird activity on the, the Ouija board. It started to say some strange things. Um, wow. And one of the guys that was with me, he's a Dukes of Hazard kind of guy, you know, really country boy. Just, you know, I feel like Terry, his name was Terry, and uh, I feel like he was a little bit of a, you know, a racist. Just not somebody that I typically would associate myself with. He was a friend of a friend. and Right. Um, you know, but he wasn't horrible. You know, he wasn't like outwardly saying horrible things, but apparently whatever we were communicating with knew this about Terry more so than we did. Oh, wow. It started to call him names, like offensive names. And long story short is it came down to them saying, Terry, you're you're dead. We're going to kill you. Oh, my gosh. it It was just strange. So and then this other girl, Christy, was with us and she was young. She was dating this guy, John, who was also with us. And Christy was playing. And it started this, what do you call that thing? The, the oracle, whatever it is. The, the planchette? The thing that yeah, you... That. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah that thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it started to rock. Like it was rocking a baby. It was very interesting. And it, it wouldn't stop rocking unless you physically moved it. And you had to push it. So then it would answer your question. My gosh. Um, I've never had... Well, first of all, I don't play with the Ouija board because I'm too afraid of them. Um. <laughs> for good reason. For good reason. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it was very strange. So again, long story short is we got to the point of asking, you know, are you saying Christy's pregnant? And it would say yes. And uh, the strangest thing. So my neighbor down the hallway claimed to be a witch. Now, I never gave any thought to that kind of stuff. I never, you know, it just wasn't on my radar. It's just not something that I gave a lot of, put a lot of stock into. Sure. The strangest thing happened. We were being quiet, and there's no possible way anybody knew what we were doing. She came down there while we were in the middle of playing on this Ouija board, and she banged on that door, man. She just banged on that door, and she says, you need to stop what you're doing right now. You have no idea what you're messing with. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Really? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, okay, who went down there and told her we're doing this? Like, seriously, because she's around the corner. There's no way. You right, know, right. No way she knew that we were doing this. She said, you're in trouble. You're in danger. She said that to me. And then she goes, start seeing some weird things. She took a pen or a marker out of her pocket and wrote 777 on my the head of my door frame. She threw salt on the doorway while she was saying some crazy things and I don't even know what it was. And she goes, you're protected, but don't you mess with this stuff again, right? So we're like, all right. <laughs> we freaked out for a while. So then obviously we had to go test it out, right? We're just a bunch of kids. We had to go test oh, this. Oh, no, you did them, you know? not. Um, oh. <laughs> we, <laughs> we went back in. And started to try to play the Ouija board. And again, we asked if it could, if it was trying to get at me or something. And it, it literally said it could not do it because prior to that, it said it was trying to possess me. Now that's the scary part. And that's, that's actually when she came down. So 
the finding was very interesting. So fast forward, sitting out in the hallway, the only thing that I can claim that ever happened to me that's paranormal. I was sitting on my butt, my back against the wall, and right beside me to the left uh, was the laundry room door. And that swung both ways. So you could just push your way through and, you know, coming in or going. Sure. And the, my friend Kendra was sitting on the, on the wall opposite of me, and her, the color drained out of her face. I mean, just drained out of her face. And that door just it looked like somebody stomp kicked it slammed open and just went pop, 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 flat back and forth. Oh, wow. Scared the living hell out of me yeah. and her. And to this day, I've not seen or spoken to Kendra ever again. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Terry was killed in a car accident shortly after that. No. Christy called me, told me she's pregnant to John. John, who was then about a year or two later, 27 years old, killed in a gymnastics accident and he broke his neck and died instantly oh my gosh and i'm the only person who was left unaffected by that that experience on that ouija board so i wonder (laughs) coming full circle i wonder if whatever linda said or whatever she did protected me or blocked me from all that kind of stuff well, coming full circle now, I mean, maybe, maybe it's best that you don't experience it because now that wasn't in Gettysburg where that happened. That was another city, right? That's correct. Yeah, that was, I was living in Elizabethtown, PA when that happened. Oh, okay. Okay. So you weren't anywhere near where you are now. No, that may be what it is, Dustin. I mean, you might just be protected. Thank goodness now. Yeah. I mean, looking back, but you know, there's that side of me that's like, okay, let's, let's just see. <laughs> you know, I know. Wanna, I know. Yeah, the buttons a little bit because I'm just a curious guy, you know. But uh, I'm not one for taking my my own life into my own hands. No. I don't think that's a, <laughs> yeah. a wise thing to do. So well, I've uh, retired the Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely retire the Ouija board. Uh, yeah, and never, never, always close them out and never burn them. Right? Um, that's yeah, what I've heard. So, but no, back to the reenactors. So. You have women, you have men, of course, you have, I think, 14 and up, I guess. I don't know if you have children reenactors or they just kind of go with their parents. I don't know. But what a cool job, because I tell you, I don't know if you remember that PBS show. I don't know if it was called Pioneer Town or something where they they went back in time and they had to live like back in the, I don't think it was Civil War, I think it was just like in the early 1900s where there was no electricity. It was more, you know, that kind of thing. And I loved that show and I wish they would do that more often because I would love to see how they live. So this is so up my alley to go and see you guys and just see what they wore. I think they all wore wool, you know, in the summertime because it was July 1st through 3rd. You know, it had to have been hot and humid that day on the actual day of the battle. It must have been horrible. I read something like, 500 tons of ammo was used for the cannons. It it, It, it was astronomical. Yeah. And then you and I were talking, you said there were 53,000 casualties in that one battle. And that was Union and Confederate combined, right? That's correct. And that's not all dead. That's just, you know, that's wounded, missing, right, um, or killed in action. Right. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And, And some just died from the battle later right so right mm-hmm. but yeah how has this whole thing though affected you i mean do you have this love that you never knew you had is it something that you always knew you wanted to do you've started this cool association how has this affected you so here's the thing i, I started 
wanting to put civil war reenactments on and actually wanting to have a say in them started when I was pretty young. My first event that I coordinated was back in uh, 2001, and that was um, I took you know, Civil War reenactors, and I threw them in the historic town of Maytown. And, you know, Maytown was not a town that nothing really happened there. Uh, there were soldiers who came out of Maytown and fought in the war, uh, 45th Pennsylvania Company B, to be more specific. Right. Um, but nothing had actually happened right there at Maytown. Now, keep in mind, we're only a few miles away from the, the Columbia Wrightsville Bridge that was burned uh, by the Union Army during the war, actually just prior to Gettysburg, just days prior to Gettysburg. Actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Part of the Gettysburg campaign. So I wanted to get involved more. I just, I didn't want to be the guy just showing up and, and just participating. I wanted to be involved. So and I thought the best way to do it was, why not put on an event myself? And Absolutely. Then yeah. I had no idea what I was walking into yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. when I decided to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was what an experience, what a formative experience that was. It really opened my eyes to logistics and, you know, just having to coordinate so many moving parts and get them all to work together. It was just a, a huge learning experience, quite an expensive learning experience. But it's, it really just comes down to my passion for the Civil War and remembrance and giving, you know, a voice to these people that right. you know, don't have it anymore. Right. And, you know, when you do these reenactments, do you use the horses or did they even use horses? Did they just kind of march toward each other with their bayonets and all that? Or how did that how does that work? Right. So it's tricky. You know, we can fix bayonets and we can do those types of things as long as we're at a distance. One of the things we won't do is fix bayonets and and do bayonet charges. It's just too unsafe. You know, if somebody falls, those things sure. are real. The bayonets are real. They very easily go into a person's body. Yeah, as absolutely. They were intended. So, you know, we're we're very careful about doing things like that. Um, also, when we kind of when we get closer to each other, you know, the hand to hand combat, we will never level our rifles at each other once we get to a certain distance. We actually elevate and we fire over everybody's head just for safety and you know to be safe and not hurt anybody. You know, sure. We're, yeah. we're trying to do something, you know, in remembrance. We're not trying to recreate exactly what happened. Of course, yeah. But yeah, we actually use horses. We use real artillery. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And, you know, we use real uh, muskets, real, you know, carbines. And, you know, everything that we use, you know, it, it might be reproduction, but it's real and it cannot fire live ammunition. And we're just, what we do is, is we load, you know, blank rounds. Sure. It's just black powder and it's packed in paper and, and that's it. And it just creates a noise, which is actually less than what would have, what you would have heard if you right. stood inside a musket, you know, that fires, you know, a live round as opposed to a blank. The one that fires the live round is just incredibly louder, you know, just because the back pressure there. So you don't get the real full experience, uh, you know, when you go to a civil reenactment, and it sounds cool to hear the guns going off and all the muskets. But the, to get a real concept of the deafening sound that there was, you have to go to a live fire when, when they organize them because it's just life-altering. Oh, I, I can only imagine. And, well, first of all, how scary, you know, to be so young. Some of these guys that were in these wars were not even adults yet. Yeah, and I know that the conditions for these men on both sides were not great before they even got there. The winters were terrible. The summers were awful. 
A lot of them died of horrible diseases before they even got to the battlegrounds. You know, dysentery, malaria, consumption, who knows what else. And, you know, they certainly didn't have the hygiene we have now. When they would get wounded, they'd be taken to a triage area and get an infection and then have to get something amputated. But then you also could get an infection from that. So it's just like it never ended for them. So what a hard, hard life. But, well, let me ask you something else. What do you think about the censorship in Dallas? They've taken down the uh, Robert E. Lee statue. And, you know, and I know he was a slave owner and I don't approve of that at all. I just want your take on some of that. It's kind of like censoring movies or anything else. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, this is something that I am actually very passionate about. You know, those, I'm not sure exactly how the quote goes, but I think it's something to the effect of those, you know, who forget the past are, 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 to repeat it yeah something to that effect Mm -hmm. and uh i think you know taking away these memorials these things that help us remember what the climate was like back then you know what caused this war i don't agree at all with erasing history and each one of those monuments that have been put in place they come attached with their own history in and of themselves right I, i I understand that, you know, there are some of the symbols of the Civil War have been misused and the Confederate battle flag being one of them. You know, it's really unfortunate that that was adopted by an organization like the Ku Klux Klan. And and they, you know, did with that. What has to be understood is that only a a small portion, and I think it was 3% of the population of the South were slave owners. And even a smaller percentage of those slave owners actually fought in the war. So when you consider the, the huge number of, of people who fought for the South, and a lot of them, believe it or not, were black soldiers. Right. Um, they were fighting for something that they believed in. You know, if you're an invader, you're coming into my state, you're invading my state with an army. I'm going to defend my property, my home. And they fought under that flag with that type of idealism. So it's unfortunate that that has become a symbol of hate. But for a lot of people, it's a heritage. You know, it's my family fought under that flag because they fought for something that they believed in. Right. Yes, the Civil War was fought over slavery. And that, you know, uh, there were a lot of other issues that caused the Civil War. But slavery, it's a stain on American history. It really is. But there are other reasons that people fought that war and taking these things down, erasing the history. It's taking away an opportunity for them to tell their story, you know, yeah. and, and to keep us from, from doing that again. And it kind of makes you wonder if, okay, go ahead and take the statues down, but is there a place where we can put them for people who would like to go and, and learn about what happened with these people and these big generals and what happened uh, in their lives and what kinds of lives they lived? You know, and that way you can make a choice. Okay, I can understand. You don't maybe want to look at a statue that represents something that upsets you. I get it. I do get it. I really do. But maybe still display them in some other, like a museum, like I said, to where somebody, if they would like to go, they could go look at it, you know, and and understand it. Let's not forget that the United States government recognizes the Confederate soldiers as United States veterans. Yeah, yeah. That is so important to remember. You know, and as a U.S. veteran, I am. I served my country for eight years. 
Well, thank you, know, you for your I, service. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. I'd do it again if they'd let me. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's something that I take a lot of pride in. And I feel that these guys should be recognized as such. If the United States government, who they fought against at the time, can recognize them as United States veterans, I think we should all give them the same. I think there's, there's an opportunity for everyone to learn, not just people that believe in this or don't believe in this. I think we can all still learn from this and come out stronger and better for it. But Dustin, you have been fantastic. I have loved hearing your stories. I wish you had a ghost story for me, but actually you had a better story than the ghost story, the Ouija board story. But I I meant to ask you, what about COVID? Are you guys, what are you doing right now? This is a very, this is very polarizing within our organization. We have some members of, of our staff that really want us to push the COVID talk. And there's some of us that are kind of tired of talking about it. But that being said, we have to take precautions. You know, whatever the regulations are at the time, we will observe those regulations. Right. You know, I think that with us still having several months and with the vaccine having just been rolled out, I think we're going to be in a lot better shape. But going forward, you know, we are taking into consideration what we may have to do, what whatever the state is going to require us to do. We will observe those you know, regulations. Okay, good. So, so really, you're probably not doing anything at this, there's no activity, there's no um, reenactments going on at this time, right? Right. Well, our, our reenactment is actually scheduled for July 2nd through the 4th. Yeah, so we're still planning, we're still moving forward with our, our plans. Okay, um, all right. Every intention of actually hosting the event. So most events have actually canceled this year. And as far as I know, a lot of events have already canceled for 2021 as well. So we're holding out. We're going to hold out because we, we're kind of like the last major event that's going to be held. If if we kind of go under, then uh, you know, then there's nothing, and we don't we won't want to let anybody down. So if we have to, you know, do certain things to accommodate COVID restrictions and things of that nature, we will still do it. Just you know, because people understand that you know, no, this is not what it would have looked like. You would never have seen Civil War soldiers wearing masks like this. Right, Um, right. And people get that. So I think we can still put on a good show and be safe in in the process. Well, and hopefully a lot of the country can and will have access to the vaccine by then. But no, seriously, you have been fantastic. I loved hearing about all this. And I feel like I didn't even get to all my questions, but... You know, I know you got to go. So tell us again the name of your organization. But yeah, so you can follow us on Facebook. We have a group page. It's called, it's the 158th Battle of Gettysburg Reenactment Group. It's quite a mouthful. But uh, (laughs) that's where you can follow us. And that's where we do most of our, you know, I do a lot of live videos from there. I put out a lot of information. You know, just you can follow that and stay tuned because, you know, as things come out, one of the things that I've really tried to do is stay connected to the people, whereas the organization before us, it was always closed doors, you know, and I feel that being more interactive and listening to what people want sure. has just been more beneficial for us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. We also have a website. Um, it is called reenactgettysburg.com. reenactgettysburg.com and that's where soldiers can go and uh, reenactors can go and sign up for the event do registration we'll be selling uh, spectator tickets from that website uh, raffling off a musket and uh, all kinds of other things oh wow that sounds great and what I can do is I can add all your social media and everything on my show notes so that when everyone gets finished with this particular episode they can click on that and go straight to your page or go to your website and get entered to win. That sounds fun. Yeah, that'd be great. We really appreciate it for sure. Well, Dustin, thank you so much. Absolutely, Leslie. It was a pleasure. Thank you. If you like what you heard, 
please leave me a five-star review. It'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen. Also, I am a novelist and write paranormal romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.